0: jadis welcome to my show america can we talk today we're going to talk about elections matter update dr carol haynes joins me in studio the down under lands are dropping their COVID mandates and gender deniers damaging delusions and of course i'll tell you why these stories matter to you stay tuned on america can we talk i talk about election integrity border security health care freedom race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Addis. I wanna remind all of you regular listeners that our Thursday shows that used to be for members only are really now online, they're for everyone. And tomorrow, or this Thursday, this week, we have two very special guests joining us in studio, Seth Keschel and Dr. Douglas Frank, two individuals who spoke at my last summit and who have been just relentless in pursuing claims of election fraud. I'm going to run down some discoveries about election fraud in just a moment, just in this first five. My main points in the first five, beyond just running through the summaries I'm going to give you, is to really drive home the idea there is no greater theft in American history than the theft of an entire election. And many people on the conservative side have kind of pushed, uh, been pushed away, given in to the idea that is raised by the, uh, the left. And frankly, many kind of more moderate conservatives, let it go, move on, let's just focus on 2022. We're going to do really great this time. You know, polling is showing that people are with us. And those people could not be more wrong. Figuring out what happened in election 2020 Getting to the root of all the various avenues and means of election fraud, correcting them as far as possible, is literally vital to restoring and protecting America as a country, as a free country ruled under the rule of law, the Declaration of Independence, and the Constitution. You literally cannot have America as the country we have always known until we expose and to the extent, to every degree possible, eradicate every possible avenue of election fraud. And the reason it's so circumstantial in this particular time is that in the last election, 2020, beyond all the various um, evidence, many, many people, various ways in which election fraud occurred, the evidence has come out, there's, there has been the most radical leftist shift in American history that has occurred under this current administration and if you believe as i do that the the american people did not elect this administration did not choose this path for america then you can see how very consequential it is to expose election fraud and have people understand how what occurred and how we're going to fix it so i'm going to the guests tomorrow i'll mention again seth Keschel and dr douglas frank i also want to mention that they will be in in um, dallas tomorrow night in the north texas area tomorrow night I sent to Mr. Becker, my wonderful producer, a flyer I wanna show you. So this is an event tomorrow evening. And if you can take a screenshot of it, it's tomorrow night, Thursday, March 24th, from 7 till 9, at the Red River Cowboy Church. This is in Sherman, Texas. And this is a place, I have spoken there many times. This is a great group called the Texoma Patriots. And I've spoken there numerous times. I've gone to hear other speakers there. It's a great venue for um, political speech. It is a church. In fact, it's one of those churches where the pastor gets up to give the blessing before this big meeting starts. And he is truly a pistol-packing pastor. You gotta love it. He, he is just down home Texas. So that event's tomorrow night, and these two gentlemen will run through some of what they've uncovered about election fraud in their work since November 2020. Um, and I can't urge you strongly enough to listen to my show tomorrow. If you're in the North Texas area and you're a member of America Can We Talk, you pay for your membership, you can email me And I will find out if there are seats available still for our in-studio audience, our in-studio audiences for members only on Thursdays. And if you are a member and would like to attend, you can email me at americakamitytalk at gmail.com. Put right in the subject line, member, want to attend Thursday show or something like that. I'm just gonna skim through right now some headlines about where we are in election fraud because when I tell you that the evidence is overwhelming and growing, I really truly mean it. And I'm gonna quickly run through some of those examples. We talked about uh, in Wisconsin, where the Wisconsin legislature retained the services of a lawyer who is a former judge on the Wisconsin Supreme Court, and he did a deep dive into just, just what happened in Wisconsin, the various methods by which many people thought that there was outcome changing election fraud. And among the things he uncovered was so the, ele- the evidence of election fraud was so severe, so overwhelming, that this judge went back to the legislature and said, and this is unprecedented, but you, the Wisconsin legislature, you need to decertify the election you certified a fraudulent election and among the many things i began reading his report this morning one of the many things he talked about was that the wisconsin election commission and the wisconsin state attorney general not only did not cooperate with his investigation but actually interfered with his election tried with his investigation tried to block his investigation and that is the tip of the iceberg just in wisconsin we had a story out of um, Georgia, where the Georgia Board of Elections has now issued um, permitted subpoenas to be issued by the Georgia Secretary of State, and this is based on the reports by True the Vote in Georgia, talking about how many people voted. You know, they had they had those uh, boxes put in place, uh, mail-in ballot boxes, masses and masses of unsolicited mail-in ballots sent out, mail-in ballots turned in, dropped in these drop boxes, Zucker boxes, uh, in various areas in Georgia. And the um, study done by True the Vote revealed that the, um, that the uh, ballots dropped in those boxes. Had, they had, with cameras showing and using cell tower data, pinging data, showing who's doing it, small number of people dropping off thousands and thousands of ballots in these boxes, nearly 40% of them between midnight and 5 a.m. On, on election day. I mean, that, that is just not the behavior, the pattern that anyone would expect out of what you might consider a valid election. Last, just a quick summary before I wrap up the first five. In Maricopa County, in Arizona, which we've covered many times before, in Maricopa County, there's now been a, um, a very large study, a data drop um, by Mike Lindell and then analyzed by um, Emerald Robinson. Bottom line, her point and what she's saying that they did, she's saying that they can now, because of the data they've uncovered from the voting machines um, in Arizona, they can tell you that, and I want to get her exact words, that there was a show, the, the study that Lindell had done and has now, it's a forensic study of the uh, Maricopa, uh, no, sorry, Mesa County, excuse me, Mesa County, Colorado, in those voting machines in Mesa County, Colorado, a second- an illegal database was secretly installed in the voting machines in Mesa County, Colorado, and used to manipulate the votes in the 2020 elections. People, and I'll make one last point in this first five, I I really if if anyone tells you any Republican says well you know I think we should just move on or anyone else anyone says to you that's a clue these people are either not very bright don't understand what happened or they're complicit because nobody should be okay with the amount of fraud that's being uncovered and I'm just I just gave you a, a tip of the iceberg and my last point and wrapping up the first five is this there has become unfortunately a pattern of infighting among even among people on the conservative side trying to expose election fraud people criticizing other people who are investigating and claiming oh no my investigation is better my data is better he's off she's wrong he's not trained you can't do that we don't have enough people we don't have enough patriots on the conservative side willing to stick their neck out and continue investigating election fraud studying it trying to understand what occurred we cannot be the circular firing squad on the conservative side looking at the uh, evidence and and assessing each other's evidence related to election fraud much more is going to come out about election fraud uh, in 2020 and the reason it matters so much to goodness people if it was a, a bank robbery or if it was a robbery of someone's diamonds in their home and or you know a a million dollar jewelry collection if it was 20 years ago and we suddenly discovered wait we have evidence we know we can prove this happened. everyone sane would be on board saying yeah we're going to figure out who robbed the bank try to get the money back who stole the jewelry we would do that this was a stolen election in 2020 in my opinion and by the behavior of the leftists now running this country who tried to say in their department of homeland security uh bulletin now like four weeks ago essentially accusing anyone who even talks about challenging the 2020 election outcome as a potential domestic terrorist. This is what the Department of Homeland Security had the audacity to put out in a bulletin to the public, basically saying, no one's allowed to talk about election fraud. No talking about it, no assessing. You might be a domestic terrorist if you do. They are trying to silence the people who are trying to uncover what occurred in 2020. The avenues of election fraud are many. The electronic fraud, there's a mailing out of mail-in ballots, there is the double counting, there is a removal of ballots. I mean, every conceivable way this election appears to have been. Uh, is overwhelmingly it appears to have been stolen and the American people have the right to know what really happened uh, in November of 2020. And we have the right to know it before we get to the next elections so we can correct as far as possible what occurred. And that my very fine friends is today's first five. So I imagine we have, I imagine we have a guest in the studio um, and I'm really glad she could be here today. Uh, this actually is a friend of mine too. Her name is Dr. Carol Haynes. Uh, she's a prolific writer. She's an education advocate. And uh, she's a, a policy expert of, of, uh, of just amazing um, abilities and knowledge, and she often writes, she has her own blog where she writes, um, which is Dr. Carol Haynes, or actually, let me say it correctly, Dr. Carol, C-A-R-O-L-E Haynes, I'm sorry, Dr. Carol H. Haynes, dot com. Dr. Carol H. com. but she also writes at American Thinker. You can go to American Thinker and read her writing, but she's done some great writing, about trends in education policy in America, and really what education policy changes are really intended to do, even when they're sold as just great things that try to help the country. So uh, I want to introduce Dr. Carol Haynes. Hello. Hello. It's a pleasure to <laughs> be, be here. I'm glad <laughs> you're here. Thank you for coming. Well, you, you had a great caption. Actually, very very quickly, because I didn't, I didn't know the answer. I know you're a doctor. Are you, you're a PhD in English. Is that right? Or what is it?
1: My, my PhD is in, um, is in education <coughs> with um, curriculum and instruction as the major. And then I have undergraduate degrees in music and history. OK, so you're very well-rounded. I'm, I'm a classical pianist.
0: <coughs> Sorry, last name was? I'm a
1: classical pianist.
0: Oh, I know you are. Actually, I knew you were. OK. So, uh, but you're also a great writer. And I want to just talk you. about you've been exposing things about education. You wrote a piece at American Thinker called The Real Reason Why Biden Wants to Spend Billions on Pre-K. And honestly, this has been one of these issues the left has pushed every time they have a platform to say, oh, we need to give free pre-K education to the poor underserved. This will make them better students. So what's wrong with that idea? It is all just lies. For years, for decades, <clears throat> the
1: progressive socialists have been trying to pass universal pre-K as you know. yeah. Well, there's a method in their madness. What few people don't understand, Debbie, is that government control over the education and rearing of young children is a key communist goal to taking over our country, to taking down America. <clears throat> the um, pre-K is number one, it's a great opportunity for the left to indoctrinate children, however, it has some really negative effects for the long term for the people, for the children, and then also for our nation. For instance, here's a report. I'm from Tennessee, so I had followed this one for years. They had a, a pre-study and they just, a pre-K study, and they just knew it was going to be the best. It has just bombed out. It just totally bombed out. They, they found out that the kids who, who attended it were more likely to be referred to special education services and to have discipline problems. And they
0: didn't do well in the state program when they graduated. Okay. I want to repeat that because that is you know, what you're talking. We're talking about pre-K and the payment of an urging by the government. And you're saying the study in Tennessee found that kids who were the recipients of this largesse as get pre-K uh, provided by the government actually be were more likely to be referred to the need for extra help and education. Right, for, for, for special ed services. For special ed services. So they didn't
1: get ahead like they, okay. They didn't get ahead. Now here is how here is how the supporters really get money from our legislators. Here's how they do it. They say, well, a child's brain development, 85% occurs from ages one to five. That is not true. It goes on to age 25. 25. That'd 25. So so there's no long-term gain in, in uh, teaching a child to read at age five than at age seven. In fact, it is worse to try to teach them at age five because with good reading teachers, they can learn to read four times as much in one school year as in those years before that. So instead of it costing more to educate a child if he doesn't have a pre-K. It's gonna cost more because long-term problems come out of it. So it's just that they, it's not that they think it's gonna do well, they want government control over those children because the government control means that they can indoctrinate those children. We show a fade out. In other words, everything that they have learned in pre-K, by the time they're in K through three, it's already faded out, so there's no benefit there.
0: I mean, faded out. meaning the advantage they gained by attending pre-K gone. is gone as compared with other kids who didn't. Any yeah. advantage they had is gone in terms of they're in the same part as kids who didn't get the So pre-K. if
1: So if someone says, well, when I went to uh, school, I had been to pre-K and so I knew more than the other children. Well, he did the first day, but it doesn't take long after that to so his benefits are going away and the other children are coming along. So it's,
0: it's just a farce. Okay, so as far as they do any better, I mean, uh, that there's a long term gain there's from having a no free But actually, I want to go back to your first point, because you were saying that you know, <coughs> it is the goal of many, and, and this has been in uh, the Mind Polluters film, talked about this, mm-hmm. uh, and another recent film talked about this too. That the, the um, it was Rebecca Friedrich's <coughs> film, uh, Whose Children Are They?, where they b- both making the point that the real leftists who want to control society, Lenin was a big one, always mentioned Marx, talked this mm-hmm. way about the idea that if you want to uh, just propagandize a society, start with the children. And so you think that's part of what is goes on behind the scenes is propagandizing? or it's Exactly. And it's, it's
1: because the earlier they can catch those children, the more that this is permanent. It's, it's just permanent. These, these kids are not going to be able to be changed later. So it's long term that they want long term supporters of their Marxist agenda, or the communist agenda, whatever, of that left-wing agenda, totalitarianism. In fact, it's it's also affecting our our national economy. And let me tell you how that's happening. Still, do, do you remember back years and years ago that, that our schools really promoted individualism and creativity? Sure. Yeah. Okay. That's not being done now. So there are certain types of free play that are very much associated with creativity. Well, for the last, uh, well, since the uh, 1990s, our American creativity scores have been plummeting. That is a problem because all that creativity, ability and the individualism that our early schools instilled in Kids Debbie, this resulted in lots of American uh, inventions. Americans were just known for this, all kinds of things that have gone worldwide and it's made us a very rich nation. That creativity is now going away, it's going to impact our national economy as well as uh, national and international matters that require creative solutions. In fact, you, uh, you probably know this, you've seen a lot more ADHD with children in the classroom, which means they're having to step in with interventions. Well, Harvard did a study and they found that those cases had risen dramatically over the last 20 years and one third of those ADHD cases or with children under six and the reason is we used to have children doing free play I mean you know they, they just they, their early childhood was play based now their early childhood is pre-k K, and they're sitting all day long and they're sitting they're doing drills on math and drills on <coughs> pardon me Phenetics, on reading and, yeah. and taking tests
0: yeah those ages when play was just it's just kind of it, it's actually creates social skills you learn how to interact mm-hmm. with other kids i'll say one thing else because we we've uh talked a lot in the show about what kids are taught in schools and how there has been kind of america's waking up now to what occurred in academia kind of behind our backs for decades which was a very anti-american agenda uh especially, especially with respect to uh, america's identity its purpose american history uh, a kind of more pro-socialist less american mindset and if you get the kids younger and younger, even though they may not be teaching you know, Marx, they may not have you know, reading Marxist books when you're in kindergarten, the thinking that's in the schools, getting in the kids' minds at younger and younger ages, and what the school what happens is kids go home and they think, well it isn't my mother, my mother doesn't seem to understand this. You know I learned this in school, my teacher, all the kids, the other teachers. And so they start to think my parents are maybe a little out of touch. It shifts the kids who teaches them and who shapes what they think. Away from the parents and to the government-run schools, and that is the goal: is to separate those generations. Um, and and now, since
1: 2015, our government has had control, total control over pre-K. There is a national stand. This was the Every Student the CES Act. I know that you're familiar with. They have national early childhood st- um, standards, assessments, and data collection. Um, it requires, this ESSA requires State Alignment to Head Start and uh, Child Development Block Grants, and those are tied into Common Core for TOTS, of preschool standards, and social and emotional learning. So we're getting all this up, up front, and the state pre-K standards are often aligned with NAEYC that uses critical race thinking in their language. And so these children are getting critical race thinking, and they're getting social-emotional learning, in early childhood lessons, and those are two of the worst things. And as far as the social-emotional learning, there are two main f- features for it. it is, it's really psychological uh, manipulation, but there are two things it's doing, Debbie. It's instilling radical sexualization, and you know, you, you've seen the, the um, mind polluters, so it's instilling radical sexualization, and it's also teaching critical race theory. These things are absolutely dangerous for, the, for our America.
0: You know, I love that thought. And I you and I was going to mention I told our listeners I want to urge you again, we're speaking with doctor if you're on the radio especially, uh, you can write down this website. It's Dr. D R Carroll, C A R O L E H Haynes, H A Y N E S dot com. Dr. Carol H Haynes she also writes at American Thinker, which is a great source of her writings. But in both places, you can read her thinking about these ideas about schools. I want to talk a little more about Critical Race Theory in yes. just a moment, and Critical Race Theory tied in with SEL, which is Social and Emotional Learning, which I have heard really good friends of ours who are Christian and, and pretty conservative say, well, it's kind of a nice thing we talk about you know feelings. So I want to get to that in a moment, how social and emotional learning is a backdoor way, a hidden way to get this, this uh, negative mindset in the minds of kids. But for our radio listeners, you're listening to America Can We Talk? My name is Debbie Georgiatis. We have a website called americacanwetalk.org. And even though you're off to a three-minute break on the radio, come back after the break. We have another great half an hour ahead of us. Again, America Can We Talk is my show. Debbie Giorgettis, org. Come back after a three-minute break. More to go. Okay, so I want to turn, Carol, and just talk about this last aspect with you, which is how social and emotional learning, SEL, it's kind of fun. Are kind of interesting how the left always gets, I guess SEL isn't that catchy, but all these kind of catchy little slogan ways of referring to things. But you wrote on your... Um, uh, one of your um, blog posts at Dr. Carol H. about social emotional learning and, and an an emerging profession. and you use the expression basically, or talk about how social emotional learning is bringing in backdoor socialism, backdoor CRT, backdoor racial uh, radical sexualization. Just describe how that happens. How can that be when they're just supposedly learning about doing social emotional learning? How are they doing that? Well, the, the 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 purpose of the sexuality
1: is to confuse children, is to get them uh, destabilized, and so they're doing it through what what they're it is it's, it's very devious how they're bringing it in. Now. And, and the social-emotional learning now has shot up 45% in the last year and a half, so it's just become a, a huge propaganda situation. Um, and you can even get degrees in it now, they're making over six-figure incomes. Oh, but gracious. with the social, and, <laughs> and, and and this is on top of all the other. Yeah, okay, yeah. And so they're bringing in the critical race theory, and the way they do it, Debbie, is they'll be talking about, and it's done in a very devious thing, a way that they'll be talking about whites and racism and so forth and America being an evil nation. Well, when you're telling children all the time, especially young children, how bad their nation is and how bad it is to be white, the children don't understand that white doesn't refer to skin color. What, what white refers to is anybody who embraces capitalism, Free right. markets, limited government, and the American tradition and, and um, cultures and values. And so the children don't understand that. And they go home and say, Mom, I'm white. Why does everybody hate me? And so they're bringing this in then through social-emotional learning. And they have these little clips that they start off the day about three minutes. And then they're testing. They're doing mental assessments with this rhythm application that's now here in Texas. And then at that point, then they can turn them in for, you know, some mental health counseling, which is not a good situation but the the point is they're pushing in critical race theory and they're saying now that that uh, social emotional learning is the foundation of the classroom well if it's the foundation and they're using it to push in critical race theory then critical race theory must be the foundation of our classrooms.
0: I, I was gonna say on that point many we've had other experts in the show talking about the idea this critical race theory just because the teacher doesn't go up in the front of the room and say today we're talking critical race theory right in the board it's the, it's the ideas that they're being taught of critical race theory the, the basically look at life through the lens of race everything's yeah. about race. Black people should think of themselves as permanent victims. White people are permanent oppressors. It's a very, very dangerous ideology. It makes its way through other aspects. But welcome back, our radio listeners, to America Can We Talk? We are still speaking, wrapping up with Dr. Carol Haynes, education expert, and kind of talking about social and emotional learning, and also how somehow they get critical race theory in there. So. Uh, through social and emotional learning. So, what do you do if you're a parent? I mean, should you just put your kids out of public school? Yes. <laughs> well, that was quick. <laughs> you knew where I'm coming from, yes. That's,
1: and, and, and here's the reason for that, Debbie. The purpose of public education was never because our our system of the colonial schools was bad. They weren't, they were tops. In fact, we had such a high rate of literacy, 99.6% in 1812. Our literacy rate today with 12th graders is 33%. Something bad has really happened. Wait, well,
0: are, for 12th graders is 33% you just said?
1: Yes, ma'am,
0: 33%. 33%. Oh my gosh. I, that's and telling. only
1: 12% or, or, or where they should be in history, 12%.
0: So the schools have become kind of propaganda totally, propaganda centers, it's totally and, and, that. and the parents don't realize it until. And the thing is, really, about South is I know there are neighborhoods that are high income and, and high quality schools, and I think kids in those schools. Uh, I mean, we could name some around here, but every every county, every city in America can say, "Well, not at our." And I think in those schools, there is a higher literacy rate, a, a reading rate. I mean, there's a higher everything rate. And so you just, I think some parents who are educated they think, well, this can't be true. It can't be that bad in America. It, it is it, in
1: public education. All of our tests are showing that. And to say that we're not getting critical race theory in private schools, we are. There's critical race theory in private schools. And I won't even name the private schools that be the, the very high-end private schools that are around here in Dallas. I will.
0: Episcopal School of Dallas. Yes. Our kids went there. I mean, honest to goodness, and it was, I mean, it was years ago. I mean, they've been out a while, so maybe it wasn't so bad then, but yeah, they, along with others, named as openly pushing critical race theory, and these are allegedly Christian schools.
1: Allegedly Christian schools, but you know a lot of times people don't really understand what's going on and they think social-emotional learning is Supposed to be helping the students. They don't understand that it is a it's, it's a socialist tactic to pull us down And in fact what people don't understand is the real purpose for this radical sexuality, Debbie Is that when you get children so mentally confused? They don't know who they are They don't know what sex they are They can't talk to mom and dad because now they don't understand and only the teacher understands then they're destabilize, they destabilize society. And now with critical race theory, they're being taught to hate America, to hate each other, to hate themselves if they're white. And also, if you'll check, you will find Black Lives Matter has curriculum for preschool. We also have the 1619 project that has curriculum things for the preschool. The purpose of it though is to destabilize uh, students they're full of hatred, and they're teaching them to go out and to be revolutionaries. So we have an American Red Guard.
0: Yes, we do. Well, I know exactly what we have, yeah. Carol Haynes, we to, we'll have to talk about this more sometime. I mean, this was, I'm sorry, for my listeners, we are late because I was running late today, or actually I got stuck in the traffic jam. <laughs> and I should have left home earlier. But in any case, uh, I wish I had more time to talk with Carol Haynes today. I have a couple of things I want to hit today. But Carol, thank you for coming in today. It's my so pleasure. Great
1: to see you. My pleasure.
0: Okay, friends, I only had two other quick stories. Um, and one, I just want to mention to you um, I have always wanted to go to New Zealand and Australia uh, until recent years. And, you know, I just, they're kind of on my bucket list. We've, I've traveled a great, been blessed to travel a lot, always wanted to go there. But what's happened, actually, and interestingly, uh, in uh, those two countries, they had, as you likely knew, over the time when COVID and the shutdowns and lockdowns became so severe. Those two countries were especially, and kind of, Shockingly tyrannical. I mean, they they were the countries with massive protests that the media tried to ignore. So massive protests. They were the countries with these uh, you know crowds just just immensely unhappy with what the government was doing. Mask mandates, shutdowns. We played a great video one time of a young lady in Australia. I think it was who was saying, "I I, I don't have a life. I, I can't I can't get to my work. I can't get to my family." And you know, she's perfectly healthy and and shut in. So they had uh, very major protests in. Uh, both Australia and New Zealand, and, and draconian behavior on the part of the government, draconian behavior on the part of the government. One little piece of it was that the, um, in Australia, they literally had the government set up con- uh, centers. I mean, people call them concentration camps. If you wouldn't get the vaccinations, you were told to get the vaccinations, or shipping the, vac- the unvaccinated off to these camps. They had police actually using rubber bullets firing rubber bullets on citizens who are out in the public without masks on. I mean, it was they really got out of control in Australia and New Zealand. And I, why I'm telling you this story today is because the great news in both places is that the governments in those countries have figured out, wait a minute, we better stop. I I will tell you that there's a, in many leaders' hearts, there's a little bit of a a tyrant screaming to get out, or there's an expression uh, in, in the heart of every progressive is a tyrant screaming to get loose, just screaming. And in both cases, in Australia and New Zealand, they were more oppressive than most countries in the world. And now, lo and behold, even though the case numbers haven't gone down, they have, they don't have, they've not eradicated COVID or Omicron, whatever the latest thing is, but in both countries, their uh, government, their leaders are announcing, you know what, actually in Australia, what they're doing, Australia has announced a massive new tourist campaign. They've got videos out there saying, come to Australia, you know, and so it's kind of like they realize, gee, all this you know shooting citizens in the street with rubber bullets for not wearing masks and locking people up and all the way you behaved turns out it drove tourists away who knew so now the prime minister in australia has is doing he's actually dedicated millions of dollars and a big ad campaign to the world saying come on to australia we're dropping our vaccine mandates we're dropping our vaccine passports we're not going to make you get a vaccine passport to come here no vaccine requirement come on back come see our sweet koalas you know, come see our country, urging people to come back to Australia. I'm gonna tell you what I think is going on because I think that they, they enjoyed their draconian power very much. But I think in Australia, they had massive protests. People were not taking it sitting down. People wanted freedom. And so they had the protests. Then they have the owners of the businesses which depend depend on um, tourists, or thrive, because the tourists are there. And so when all of a sudden, tourist industry drops off, all these touring companies, and these restaurants, these hotels, and the bed and breakfast, and the people who take you around the country, and the people who take on the little boat cruises, all those citizens who are taxpayers, who are voters, finally penetrated through the government in Australia and said, you know what? you're going to be out if you don't drop all this and so all of a sudden Australia the land that kind of surprised everyone land on under that surprised everyone with how how harsh they were in responding to COVID all of a sudden they're like you know actually never mind we're, we're dropping all of this come on back you know you can come you do not be vaccinated to come here everyone can come here that's happening in Australia. Same thing with the Kiwis, the uh, New Zealand folks, uh, their prime minister. Um, and in fact, I was going to tell you the prime minister's name in Australia. I think it's Morrison, Brian Morrison, something like that. Anyway, um, he has he's out here trying to be very cheerful and happy and talking about how everything's just fine. Oh, it's um, Scott Morrison, Scott Morrison. And then the same thing in uh, New Zealand, where they have a woman prime minister, also draconian, also just extreme lockdown mode uh, during much of COVID, and also realizing, okay, my citizens are angry, uh, that the people, they are not—they don't wanna be on lockdown anymore, they're not gonna listen to us. I think part of what happens is they realize, I just can't force my entire population to do all these things that they don't wanna do. They don't want vaccine mandates, they don't want vaccine passports, they don't wanna wear masks, they don't want their businesses shut down, and they want tourism. So lo and behold, uh, literally the same week, uh, the Prime Minister in New, um, in New Zealand, the Kiwis, um, also made the same kind of announcement. You know, now that we think about it, we're gonna stop all of this. This is, her name is Prime Minister uh, Jacinda Ardern. So they made the same announcement. And I'll t- you know, it's a funny thing, because when you dive into the articles, you realize it's not that their COVID numbers are better. It's not that their Omicron cases are down. It's that they've realized the, tourists, uh, the tourist-related businesses, the people, the taxpayers, and most essentially, the voters have had enough with the COVID tyranny. I love it, so just maybe sometime, I, my husband and I will get down to uh, New Zealand. I, I just think it's, it's a huge um, step of progress. Okay, last story tale step in, it'll really, really fit in well, what we were talking about Dr. Haynes with. Um, she, Dr. Haynes has talked about many aspects of the, um, of the public schools and what they do to kids uh, in, in a variety of ways. And this story will tie in with that. But I called it, I, I called this segment, Gender Deniers, you just had it up there, uh, Gender Deniers, Damaging Delusions. And I just wanna make this point. We have right now, as, as we speak, in the United States Senate, there's a hearing going on uh, to decide whether or not to confirm the uh, judge, the appellate court justice, who's been, judge who's been nominated to serve in the Supreme Court. And so this, this hearing is going on, questioning by both parties uh, of this woman to see if uh, whether she uh, should be confirmed for the Supreme Court. Uh, this justice's name is Katanji Brown Jackson. Katanji Brown Jackson. I sent Mr. Becker two little clips of her. And I want to just play. We're going to play one of them and then talk about it a bit and then the second one. But the first one uh, is from clip two, a short little clip of a question and answer. This is a woman who wants to serve on the Supreme Court. You pick that one, please. <laughs>
1: Uh, can you provide a definition for the word woman can I provide a definition Mm -hmm. no yeah I can't you can't
0: not in this context I'm not a biologist okay so she can't say what a woman is and by the way on that subject it was very funny because there's another clip we're gonna play in a moment But obviously, we live in an era where the left is trying to say the transgender craze, at least in the minds of leftists, has become mainstream. Nobody's allowed to say anything such as a man or a woman even exists. You are whatever you think you are, and you can change your mind. And as our guest Carol Haynes would have said, uh, as she did say, uh, this notion that they're trying to infuse very young children, kindergartners, with gender confusion, uh, teaching them gender is fluid, you can be whatever you wanna be. And so, so this is very trendy on the left, and I think it's one of those things the left thought, because they've had, uh, they've had success in, their, in, in other issues pushing them on American society, that American society would just go along with this transgender issue, claiming that people who obviously are one gender, just beca- they can become another one because they want to, because they say they are, they announce us what they are. And so it gets you to the point for a woman who's obviously qualified in the sense of having done well enough in college, attended law school, passed the bar, gotten confirmed as a district court judge, because every federal court judge has to be confirmed by the Senate, confirmed by the, by the Senate for the district court judge, affirmed by the uh, Senate to be an appellate court judge, a circuit court judge, and she's sitting there with cameras rolling, and she cannot come up with a definition for woman. And it's not, do not buy into the idea, well, she said, I'm not a biologist. How do I know what, you know? I can tell you there's a chromosome thing going on there. I mean, I think most people learned in seventh grade biology or something like that. You know, women have two X chromosomes, men have X and Y, and that is the distinction, men and women, biologically. That's one answer, but just the notion that there are two different genders, she did not refuse to answer, or she did not fail to answer because she wasn't a biologist. She failed to answer because she considers it dangerous territory to tread into, to say on national television that such a concept of woman as the idea of defining woman even exists. She couldn't say it. She couldn't say, yeah, there is such a thing as woman. And that, of course, there is. And, and, and you know, it's a. she is able to go back tomorrow, and maybe Judge, just Judge Brown will say, you know, as she sits around thinking in her hotel room tonight or wherever she's staying, you know, I probably should weigh in on that because she's leaving because what she did is confirm the entire agenda of the LGBTQ radical transgender activists who try to say gender doesn't exist in the body all gender is is just whatever you think you are it's all you're thinking so she couldn't even answer it next question she was also asked by the way that's uh, senator Marsha Blackburn asking these questions this is another question oh wait, wait before I do that Uh, Mr. Becker, there was a tweet I sent you from, uh, a really funny tweet, yeah, here it is, Uh, Jack Posobiec. Raise your hand if you aren't a biologist, but you still know what a woman is. I mean, it's so funny, because obviously everyone knows what a woman is, and yet, this is the absurdity we have gotten to in this country, that we have a woman of the prominence capable of being nominated to serve in the Supreme Court, and she's afraid to answer the question about what a woman is she she understands it's a politically dangerous territory like a quicksand move if she defines a woman because then she's agreeing that the concept of woman exists and means something she can't say it so then then the next question mr becker there was another little clip from uh, senator blackburn do you
1: agree with justice ginsburg that there are physical differences between men and women that are enduring
0: Um, Senator, respectfully, I am not familiar with that particular quote or case, okay. so it's hard for me to okay. comment uh, as to whether or not. All right. I'd love to
1: get your, your opinion on, on that, and you can submit that. Do you interpret Justice Ginsburg's meaning of men and
0: women as male and female? again, because I don't know the case. I don't know how I interpret it. I need to read the whole thing. Okay. Okay. I want to, again, I know I'm belaboring the point, but I'm going to turn to a couple of other stories about this, this idea. You know, I always say this show is about preserving America and it is, it's about preserving America. I do not really, you know, shoot the breeze about uh, Dallas Cowboys, even though we live in Dallas and, you know, I'm, I like sports. I mean, I think they're fun. I, but I, I don't talk fashion, sports, uh, anything other than preserving America. And it's easy for many politicians and, and talk show hosts to talk about well, preserving America means strong border, you know, uh, rule of law, low taxes, robust, you know, free market. But these issues that, that are on the table right now with this woman who wants to serve in the Supreme Court, these issues, they have become the subject of so much. Uh, mockery, ridicule, pummeling, uh, and just at, at the, um, the ascribing of hatred to anyone who will not agree with what the left is trying to say. And the left is trying to say to children as young as in kindergarten that gender has nothing to do with what you were born as or what your doctor said, oh, it's a boy, oh, it's a girl. You know, No, nothing to do with what's on your birth certificate, nothing to do with what your parents tell you. You're a girl, you're a boy. They have tried to insinuate this idea that gender is what you believe you are, and it truly is a, um, it's an opportunity for people in America to recognize the, the way the left fights, the way they push their destruction of the American family, of the concept of marriage, of, of anything normal, the way they fight this fight. Because what the left has trying to say is, this transgender movement is, either you agree that any person on the planet Earth can change gender simply by announcing their gender, by saying, now that today I think I'm this, yesterday I was one, but now I'm the other. And that anyone who won't agree with that, anyone who won't submit to it, won't just say, okay, okay, you know, you, today you're, you say you're this gender, well then I'm gonna use those pronouns, I'm gonna treat you that way, I'm gonna let you use that restroom. They, that anyone who will not agree with their entire agenda is called a hater. You're a hater. You hate and, and you're intolerant and you don't understand and you're closed-minded and you're old-fashioned and you're, you know, you just got your, uh, you know, you're clinging to your Bible or something stupid and, and the, all those things with the left saying are just flat-out stupid because common sense has told us since time began there are two genders. It's not mean to say. I, I, the famous words, and I think it was Andrew Breitbart said, "Truth is not mean. Truth is not mean. It's not mean to say there are two genders. There are boys and girls. There are men and women. It, it's and male and female. That's what that's w- what truth is. And the left, because they want so much to undermine the whole stability of Western civilization and our culture, they want to have the uh, the thinking, kind of seeping in, slithering into the culture that you shouldn't even say out loud that there are differences between men and women. Or as you just heard Marsha Blackburn, Senator Blackburn asking uh, Judge uh, Jackson Brown, uh, Brown, excuse me, Brown Jackson, her name is uh, Ketanji Brown Jackson, asking Judge Johnson, you know, do you agree with what your fellow Democrat, fellow radical leftist judge even said? Uh, when she said, uh, Ginsburg, who said, yeah, there are differences between men and women and they are enduring. She couldn't answer that question. I, I mean, we, we just have to like put on our, just, just fling off our, uh, you know, our immersion into a culture in America where I think some of you are probably nodding along thinking, well, it is kind of dangerous territory. You know, she can't really say she thinks there are men and women that they're different. Of course she should say that. She should say that because it's true. It's true, there are men and women. Now, I understand as an adult, any person in America can decide they wish to change, or try to change genders. They can have surgeries, they can have chemical, um, you know, uh, treatments. They can have whatever other treatments are, psychological treatments. They can get surgery. Adults are allowed to do that, and I'm not saying they shouldn't be allowed to. You know, if you're an adult and you want to change your gender, you're born a woman, but you really want to be a man or you're born a man and you really want to be a woman, the fact is as an adult in America, you have freedom. You can do that, but you don't have the right to try to convince America to try to make the standard assumption in America, oh, of course, gender, your gender, everyone's gender is whatever they say it is because it's not. We're fighting this war over not just what the truth is, but the question of whether truth exists. This woman should not be on the Supreme Court because she's drunk the Kool-Aid of the gender confusion leftist transgender movement that tries to say, you know, gender is nothing more than what you think it is and you can transition. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many psychologists, psychiatrists, school counselors, it doesn't matter how many people have embraced this, this lunatic leftist agenda with trying to, is, as they say, it's a different thing to say when you're an adult, you want to try to change your gender, then, I mean, you're, you can do that. It's legal in America, you can do that, but your gender exists as a biological fact from the moment of conception. Your gender is based on the DNA in your body. And the DNA, as they say, is that penetrates every aspect of your body. Your gender is, is from birth. And it's actually not kind. And I wanna make these points because what, what the left does, why this woman is so afraid, sitting there on the national camera, sitting there in the Senate with her hearing before about becoming a Supreme Court justice, she's worried that if she actually acknowledges biological truth which has been true since time began that there are men and women and there are biological differences and they're enduring she can't even admit that she's worried she'll be called by her own base a hater intolerant and she gets a confused look on her face i don't even know what you mean obviously i mean i'm telling you just like even 20 years ago if someone was Asked this question in a Senate hearing in order to qualify for the Supreme Court. I mean, they go, well, of course, there's men and women, and you know, they as I say, people who change genders as adults, I and mean, you're allowed to try to do that. I don't even, I will even say, you can change your biology, you can change your body parts, you can change your chemical makeup, but you're still whatever you were born as. That's what you are. I mean, that's, I mean, you're allowed, and as an adult, you can say, I'm now, you know, living as the other, and you have a legal right to do that. But you don't have the right to force society to accept something that isn't true. You don't have the right to tell society, I am because I say I am. And I want to be treated as the other because I say I want to be. You don't have, and and society does not have to indulge you. And you could say that everything I'm saying seems intolerant, hateful, why don't you care? But let me tell you what happens when you play along, when you go along with a pretend that the left is doing on the whole transgender thing. You end up with two examples, two among thousands of examples I could give you. One is the uh, the NCAA swimming finals, um, in which I'm sure all of you saw a guy a biological male who's been a biological male since birth and swam competitively as a biological male and he's allowed to announce he's now a girl and he's swimming on the girls team and of course he's a bigger stronger guy because he's a guy so he's winning all these races And so all the women who got all these wonderful rights under Title IX to get into college and have competitive sports, they have no way to compete against him. It's a biological fact. And everybody who humors this guy, who is still a guy, still now, by the way, biologically, anatomically, a guy swinging against women, he's winning the races. I got to interject very quickly. Our radio listeners, you are heading off. This is Debbie George Addis, America Can We Talk. Come back Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. AmericaCanWeTalk.org, talk to you next time. I wanna finish this point with our listeners, with our vast majority of listeners online. So that's one bad consequence of just humoring this, there's no such thing as gender, is that all these girls who gave up all their social life and all their fun they did growing up to commit themselves to a sport because they thought they would get to college someday and maybe just get a scholarship, and they did get a scholarship, and they want to be competitive swimmers, and they of course they can't keep up with a guy, and so all those women, and and you know whether they are in your family or you or your friends or you never heard of these people, they're in the thousands and thousands of women who were given promise by the actions of Congress years ago that they would have the right to competitively play in sports in college, and, and, and this transgender lunacy lie takes that away from them. The other one, and I don't have time for this story very much, I'm just gonna plant the seed and tell you this story another day, probably next Monday. If you can put up this picture, the last little picture I sent you, Mr. Becker, um, this is a young girl, sweet little girl on the left, and this is on the right is this girl, as she decided uh, when she got to some point in high school that she was really a guy, and she told her mom I'm really a guy, I can take her down. I'll just plant this seed and tell this story next week. But that sweet young girl, that sweet little face, went to public school where the teachers are telling her your gender is your choice you can be anything you want if you really think you're there that you can be that announced one day to her parents i'm really a boy and her parents were not up for that school counselor tells her you know you don't uh you you probably it's not healthy if you live at home with your parents since they don't accept you for who you are who your identity is so this young girl moves out of the house. Attempting the transition toward becoming a guy and most sadly and tragically took her own life a young girl because the fact is All of the confusion she was experiencing instead of helping her with truth Helping her with her parents love and concern and care and helping her deal with Reality that she really is a girl. She was a girl and she is a girl allowed her to go down this confusing Uh, drug-infused, psychologically manipulative, driven by the transgender movement left into a place of ugly darkness and took her own life. And this isn't the only story like that. There are literally hundreds and thousands more of horrific cases like this. And all this is happening because our society has agreed to humor and play pretend with a transgender argument that people are whatever gender they they say they be what they say they are when they woke up that day that's not what's true and and the consequences not just a suicidal consequence which is a uh, horrible for the family but the consequences of miserable unhappy lives because you we have the left pushing this agenda of transgender you are what you think you are and not enough brave people like governor DeSantis of the great state of florida governor DeSantis who was the one who spoke up very bravely and said, you know what, we in Florida, we're gonna give an award to the real winner of the NCAA competition, the girl swimmer, the woman swimmer who came from Florida, who came in second because she's really the winner of the actual women's competition. We need more brave voices like Governor DeSantis, more brave voices in places and positions of authority in the NCAA and every other college athletic organization, uh, university, we need more brave voices coming out of leadership positions around the country saying we're not going to play this pretend, we're not going to delude young people with the absurdity starting in kindergarten that you are whatever you think you are. Biology is real. Identity is a, in, in view of you know, millions of Christians and, and other people of other faiths as well, Judeo-Christian, many other faiths, you have a God-given identity, treasure that, and we're not going to humor the cultural, uh, just, just tsunami level push at America's culture to uh, remove, ident- remove truth from the discussion about gender to play pretend with the left on pretending that gender is whatever you think you are. I mean, this girl all by herself, this story ought to make you think and be active in, in the public schools speaking up against this gender ideology that is just so destructive, so destructive to the precious young lives of many Americans. Much more on this story, but I'm out of time. So I'll tell you, as I do at the close of every show, why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started out today talking about Elections Matter Update, evidence of widespread, intentional, surreptitious 2020 election fraud is mounting. Wisconsin, former state Supreme Court Justice Gableman found such extensive fraud that he recommended the legislature decertify the election and wrote that the state AG and the elections commissioner actively resisted and obstructed his investigation. That ought to tell you something. Arizona, newly released forensic report shows massive manipulated voter files in Mesa County, Arizona, and that a second illegal database was secretly installed in machines. Georgia, Elections Board granted uh, Secretary of State Raffensperger subpoena power to secure ballot harvesting evidence after the suit points out that 40% of unknown ballot harvesters dropped their ballots off between midnight and 5 a.m. Nothing suspicious there, folks, nothing to see here. Question the motives of anyone who scoffs at claims of election fraud. Honest patriots of both parties want truth, secure, transparent, honest elections. And the down under lands uh, dropping COVID mandates, Australia launches new tourism campaign. Turns out the government locking up unvaccinated citizens, shooting rubber bullets at the unmasked in the streets and imposing draconian lockdowns on the public were a huge drag on tourism. Not to mention these measures led to unhappy citizens protesters, and, of course, voters. Prime, Prime Minister Scott Morrison is on the mission. Encourage tourists and drop the vaccine requirements. Same song, different verse for New Zealand. Kiwi leader Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern announces vax passes are now dropped, mandates lifted, and life is freed up. Case numbers may still be very high, but tolerance for tyranny is very, very low. Freedom lovers win. Lessons learned, tyranny lasts as long as citizens let it last. COVID gave power-hungry and wannabe tyrants an excuse to take away freedom. Great reminder of her freedom lovers to be vigilant. And finally, gender deniers damaging delusions. The distinctions between men and women are factual, biological, and real. Women have two X chromosomes and men have an X and a Y chromosome. What you believe does not change what you are. The fact that some adults choose to try to switch genders does not change this basic truth of life. We can be tender and supportive of everyone without denying this truth. If a Supreme Court candidate does not know this and cannot agree that men and women are different, she or he is out of touch with reality, has drunk the Kool-Aid of truth denial about gender, and should not serve on the court. This is not an abstract intellectual discussion denying the reality of two genders, cheats women athletes of victories and robs them of the protections our laws gave them to access college sports. Advocacy to vulnerable young people, to convince them that they can be any one of the 52 genders they want to be by simply choosing it, indulges in falsehood and often harms and confuses them. And parents, not schools, need to be the primary caretakers for children on these very tender topics. Again, tomorrow, Thursday, tune in to our show, our very special show with Seth Keschel and Dr. Douglas Frank, talking about the latest they've uncovered related to election fraud in America. And tune in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America, because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America?